Hi there, and welcome to Her Faith Thrives. I'm your host, Mindy Pradia, and I can't wait to connect with you. I want to equip you to discern, apply, and pray biblical truth so that you can take the next step toward thriving in your Christian faith. Whether you're feeling stuck or just desiring to go deeper, prayer is the power behind a thriving faith. We need to pray in the context of our everyday moments, guided by biblical principles and ready to take action. You can stop feeling stuck and start thriving in your faith when you pray authentic and truth-filled prayers. I will present biblical truth and a practical suggestion to broaden your perspective and help you take the next step in your Christian faith. This is episode 3. Let's get started. Does your prayer life seem like a roller coaster of hope and disappointment? You were not expecting to have no hardships, but you certainly expected to walk through life with a sense of God's peace and confident hope, both of which seem scarce in this season. Did you pray for a job that you would like and you are still counting the years in a number of jobs that you think are not the right fit for you? Have you prayed for a godly man to marry, yet you can still sum up your ongoing season of singleness as disappointing with no real prospects on the horizon? Have you been committed to praying for your marriage, and yet this has been the hardest season you have ever walked through? In the last couple of episodes, we have been talking about thriving in your faith. We talked about how prayer is a powerful tool necessary for a thriving faith. And in episode 2, we even talked about how we can start to get rid of soul clutter regularly by praying our feelings. In many ways, hearing about prayer and all of its benefits is not new. But maybe as you listen, you're thinking, sure, I would love to pray more, but it's not as straightforward as you're making it seem. I have brought my heart before God many times. I have even heard him speak and walked by faith in some trying situations. I was encouraged for a time and then everything fell apart. I tried retracing my steps in prayer and it seems like I pray in circles, not sure what it is I need to be saying or believing to experience this thriving faith. It's exhausting and I'm becoming increasingly disillusioned with this seemingly open invitation to bring our hearts to God only to feel like in the end he has not really done anything tangible with my burdens or my desires. Can you relate? I have certainly felt this way and I realized that if we are going to last in this discipline of prayer, we need a real and lasting solution to this exhausting roller coaster of hope and disappointment. I'll be honest with you, this is a big problem and this short podcast episode is not going to be all you need. But we will take the first few steps in the right direction and as we spend more time together in subsequent episodes, we will keep adding to what we have started here. 
to do this topic justice, I need to start by talking about the kind of solution we are looking for versus the kind of solution that is going to work. In Jeremiah 2, God is giving a description of the way the Israelites worship, seek fulfillment, and live their lives. It's a sad and shocking narration in which God demonstrates that Israel has benefited from his unmerited favor and blessing, clear instruction on what was true and how to live rightly. Yet Israel had chosen to abandon the way God had instructed them to live and sought out the blessing that he provided from other sources. In verse 13, he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So I was poking around the internet trying to get a better idea of what a cistern looks like and how it works. A cistern is a reservoir or tank often dug into the ground which stores rainwater or runoff water. For this to work well, the cistern needs to be waterproof so that the accumulated water would not be lost. A broken cistern would have a break in the waterproof layer such that it would let the water out so anyone coming to get water out of a broken cistern would find mud at the bottom where the water should be. An article by Save a Scripture on Jeremiah 2.13 pointed out that in that day, the best source of water would be flowing water, like a spring or a fountain. The second best would be groundwater, like a well, in which you dig up to several hundred feet deep to access a water supply, and the least quality water would come from a cistern, collecting runoff water and susceptible to loss if broken. This is a helpful clarification as we consider what the Israelites traded. They traded the best source of truth, life, and fulfillment illustrated by God, the fountain of living water, for the worst source of truth, life, and fulfillment, which was the idols they chose to worship instead of God. These idols and idolatrous customs they adopted are described as not just a cistern, but a broken one. These idols gave the illusion of provision and sustenance, but in reality, they could deliver nothing. Here's the thing. We are not very different from the Israelites. It's no secret that in this cultural moment, self-help books, podcasts, videos, social media influencers who give practical solutions to everyday problems or who help us feel confident about how we have chosen to live our lives are one of the most popular, referenced and recommended tools for overall health and well-being among Christians and non-Christians alike. I love practical solutions just as much as anyone and even look for ways to give practical solutions on this podcast. So that is not the problem I am addressing here. The problem is the underlying mentality that these resources have fostered, especially among Christian women. We have come to believe that our lives are about getting what we want when we want it. We have come to believe we deserve the best and we are the only people who can ensure that we get it. So we have to fight for ourselves and refuse to feel anything but satisfied when we achieve our goals no matter what it costs. The self-preservation, self-care, self-actualization ideals are our greatest priority. In short, we put ourselves first. But is this a biblical approach to life? 
I know that raising this question ruffled some feathers. Believe me, it has ruffled mine a few times already. I also realize that there is some nuance in this topic. But before you stop listening or start arguing with everything I say from here on out, take a deep breath with me and hear me out. God's kingdom has been described as the upside-down kingdom by people much smarter than me. It really is all over the Bible, and one of the places you can see it very clearly is in Matthew 5, the chapter containing the Sermon on the Mount. The verses in this sermon talk about blessing, but instead of what seems like an obvious blessing being attached to the idea of blessing, we hear things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, or those who mourn, or those who are persecuted. Some of you are rightly baffled by this, and some of you are so familiar with it that we have forgotten how strange this chapter actually is. Here is Jesus' point. There is a bigger spiritual reality that overshadows the physical reality that you live in every day. And when you learn to see this spiritual reality for what it really is, you gain the right perspective on the physical reality you live in. This does not mean that our everyday lives and moments are in any way trivial, but it does mean that if we do not have a greater understanding of the overshadowing spiritual reality, we will constantly be hitting insurmountable walls. When I was doing some research for today's episode, I came across a sermon by Tim Keller based on Luke 6, 17-26. This is Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount that I mentioned briefly in Matthew 5. Tim Keller talks about the principle of the upside-down kingdom in greater depth. You can find a link to his sermon in the show notes. I appreciated how he drew out the implications of the upside-down kingdom for our lives today. He said, and I quote, What makes you a Christian is a reversal of values. He goes on to explain that we as Christians embrace God's values over the world's values and we recognize that those look remarkably different. Isn't that different from a lot of what you encounter in Christian culture today? Instead of our values being distinct from the world's values, we are trying more and more to show how Christianity is not so different from the world's values. So let me tell you one way this started to hit home for me. One thing you will hear about marriage is it reveals how selfish you really are. Well, it's true. When I realized I only wanted to make sacrifices my way, not the way they needed to be made to best love my husband, I thought I was at the height of my selfishness. But I realized that my selfishness runs much deeper than I could have imagined. I felt entitled to what I thought would make me the best kind of person I could be. And when that was threatened, I justified every poor attitude and harsh response I had toward my husband. Despite some of the ugliness, It does sound a bit noble, right? I mean, we are supposed to know ourselves and do what's best for us. It made so much sense to me, but it wasn't working. I am married to a wonderful man who bends over backwards to show his love for me. Our marriage is certainly not perfect, but I can say that by the grace of God, it is a good marriage. And yet somehow I managed to be discontent a lot. Eventually, I realized that something in the way I was thinking was very wrong. For me, it boiled down to this. I had allowed all the self-centered messaging that is so rampant in today's culture to sink some deep roots in my heart. 
instead of recognizing that God is my keeper, I started to believe that I was my own keeper. Life became about self-preservation. I did not live from the reality that my life was secure in Christ. Life became about self-actualization not growth in Christ-likeness. Life became about self-care, not stewarding the body that God had given me with rhythms of work and rest that he has prescribed. I did not need to demand rest or be anxious about who I would become without it. I could trust God to guide me into it and enjoy many self-care activities without relying on myself to bring about the deep rest and refreshment we all need. In short, unlike John the Baptist, I was increasing and Christ was decreasing. Here's my point. The Bible presents a radically different view from the culture around us, but many of us are more conformed to the culture than we realize, and we are trying to mold biblical truths around cultural norms, and this doesn't work. We have elevated our desires and what we want to be true above God's desires and what he has declared to be true. Some of us have even spiritualized the process so that its fleshly origins are unrecognizable. We have claimed that our desires are God's desires when they really are not. We have believed that we can get God to actually give us life on our terms if we figure out how to pray right and live right. These things can be carefully disguised, but the end result is the same. We are at the center of our world and God is not. The Upside Down Kingdom which we were talking about earlier, is upside down from a human perspective. It removes us from the center and acknowledges God's rightful place. It feels countercultural and counterintuitive, and yet in the end, it is a sure way to thrive, to stay rooted, anchored, steadfast, and immovable. Look at the stories all over the Bible, the people who the Bible calls heroes. In today's world, we pick out elements of their outward success and focus on that, but looking at the overall arc of their lives, you see this upside-down kingdom at play. Think about Paul, whose work for Christ was far-reaching. He wrote half the New Testament, the inspired Word of God, for the growth of believers until Christ returns. Talk about influence. Yes, he suffered greatly, and in 1 Corinthians 4, he even said he and other Christians ministering with him were like the garbage of the earth. Garbage. Do the people who humbly bear the cost of following Christ like Paul influence us? Or are we more concerned that they have worldly status? Many of you, like me listening to this podcast, live out your faith in peaceful conditions. I am not saying we should look for trouble. The peace we experience is definitely a gift from God, and we should be thankful for the ways that it allows us to flourish. However, because of it, we can forget that the Bible calls us to a radical commitment to Christ and his values. So here's where the rubber meets the road. As a Christian, you are a member of the upside-down kingdom. But when you pray, do you realize that? Do you read your Bible and apply it like that is true? Do you take steps of obedience and faith like you understand this dynamic? Or are your expectations influenced more by a self-centered reality? Do you pray and act like God is at the center of everything? This is not meant to be a guilt trip, but it is meant to be thought-provoking. When I take an honest look at my hope and disappointment roller coaster moments, I can say for sure God is not at the center. 
However, in bringing the disappointments to him, I have the chance to see where my heart needs to come into greater alignment with the truth. I am not suggesting that a Christian who is mature should never be disappointed, rather that it is an opportunity to become more like Christ and as we do, we begin to experience disappointment differently. We are more truth-based in our hope and so when hard things happen, we are more grounded and the disappointment, though sometimes very profound, never dislodges the hope and anchor of our souls. Our prayer lives and indeed our whole lives feel less like a roller coaster of hope and disappointment and more like a pilgrimage with sure and steady leadership even through the dark valleys. As we wrap up this episode, I recognize that one podcast episode is not enough to unpack this topic exhaustively, so I have put links in the show notes to the Tim Keller sermon I referenced earlier and two articles offering a biblical perspective on the self-help and self-care movements. My goal in this episode was to get us all thinking about what we are accepting as truth and how it is affecting our prayer lives and ultimately our faith. These resources will help you continue to explore this topic and hopefully help you continue to take steps forward in your understanding. That being said, I want to leave you with a practical next step based on what we covered in this episode. Galatians 6 8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The principle here is what you choose to consume, indulge in, or act upon will have just two consequences, either strengthening you to live according to biblical values or strengthening you to live according to worldly values. So here are a few questions to help you evaluate what you're consuming and bring it into greater alignment with what is true. Are you reading your Bible daily? Maybe you usually do, but you are in a season where this is not happening as often as it should. If so, take time to prayerfully consider how you can improve. What sources do you go to for advice or help? Do they model the values of the upside-down kingdom? Is the counsel they give consistent with the way the Bible portrays right living? What are you listening to, reading, watching, following? Does it inspire confidence and trust in God as he is described in the Bible or draw you away from believing God's truth? If God brought to mind anything that needs to be re-evaluated or even discarded, ask him for the strength to do that and act in obedience. The life he calls us to as Christian women in the upside-down kingdom is radically different. The only way we will grow to understand and embrace the life of the upside-down kingdom is by being saturated by God's truth. God, through his word, fills us with truth and also corrects wrong beliefs and molds us so that the more we spend time with him, the more grounded and anchored we are in our prayer lives as well as our inner lives. Friends, let us leave the broken systems we are so often drawn to and pursue the source of living water. As we do, we will no longer be roller coaster riders, but pilgrims with sure and steady leadership through the mountains and valleys of life. 
Thanks for joining me on the Her Faith Thrives podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider leaving a rating and review in your podcast app? This helps more women just like you find this podcast and know whether the podcast would be a good fit for them. Just go to the show in your podcast app, scroll down until you see the ratings and review option, then tap to rate and write a review. It really makes a difference when you take a couple of minutes to do this. So I want to thank everyone who has already left a review. Until next time, choose growth in your everyday moments by engaging with truth and praying authentic, truth-filled prayers. Remember, you can be a woman who thrives in every season.